Welcome to the Take 92 podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today I've got in the studio a whole damn tour. This is the uh, Codependents, our good friends of mine. They're on the Spring Broke Tour coming out from Missoula, Montana. And they're with a couple of rock bands, Tiny Plastic Stars and Paris Mingus. And we're going to talk about all different kinds of things, DIY artist shit. Get ready. If you want to just, uh, you know, Get into uh, it. Say, say what you do and pass it around, you know. Cool. Uh, I'm Keenan. I've been driving. You've been driving. <laughs> but um, I'm part of the Codependence, the hip-hop group on the Spring Broke Tour. Um, my name is Shadow. Um, I'm about to drive. I'm also, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also uh, part of the Codependence. You're the driver-elect? Yes, the next up. I'm Riley. I'm part of the Codependence as well. I sing the choruses. And then uh, I'm also on tour with my band, Tiny Plastic Stars, whom I write songs and play guitar and sing. Cool. Uh, my name is Justin, and I'm also in the Codependence. Have and, you been sleeping in the van? I have been driving, and I drove first this morning, so then I, yes, have been sleeping in the van as <laughs> okay. well. Okay. Let's pass to the band here. I'm Zach. <laughs> I'm Dan. I play the drums in Paris Mingus and Tiny Plastic Stars. I'm Jake. I play bass in Tiny Plastic Stars and Paris Mingus. I'm uh, Javier Ryan. I am Paris Mingus, and yeah, I write those and sing that. Play guitar. So this is a very incestuous tour then. We have three groups where there's at least one member between everything. Um, how how did this come about? I don't know. How, how did it come about? Between us, we could count seven people. So we were like, that fits a van. <laughs> so you guys all... You guys all lived in the same same place? Yeah, at one point or another, like, the codependents were all together in a house for a while, and then slowly moved out, and more people moved in, and now Javier Paris Mingus lives with me, and Riley used to. So, yeah, we've all been pretty closely connected, and it was easy to decide who we would want to go on tour with because we were in such close contact that it was the easiest option than trying to pull any outside people in, so... I'm interested. I'm not familiar with uh, the the bands at all. Is this you, you said it, you're the only rap group, right? Is yeah, it, yeah, what, yeah. They're rad. They what can, kind of sounds yeah. can people expect if they're catching these shows? Yeah, very unique. I don't know. Everyone's kind of like fully realized their sound, so it's definitely. Is there a common thread beyond a band members in these uh, in these sets? Um, Anyone want to? I don't know the just how the nights go because we've done uh, shows in Missoula where it's been us three on the bill and being the only hip-hop act on the bill, and it's worked out really nice in the past. So that's kind of where the big idea came from with Tour, that we could actually pull it off and have a coherent, cohesive night of music between all three of us. So that That's was, rad. I, that's I used to always genesis. like, um, when I was in bands, like whatever group I was in at the time, we kind of had like a best friend band that we would play shows with yeah. um, mm -hmm. all, all the time. So I, I think it's cool to actually take that out on the road. Yeah. You know? We'll sometimes, like, pull it all together at the end of the night and do, like, a jam. Like, we'll just jam a progression and everybody will rap. That's that's cool when you can bring up, like, like, like you're presenting the tour, you know? It's not yeah. just like, oh, my time and then your time. It's like everybody come back at the end and, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's important, man. I, I first saw that um, when uh, I saw Fashion and Evidence play, and it was like the opener on the tour went up. And in his last couple songs, he featured Evidence. And so Evidence would do his verses and then he would hype him. And then that guy walked off stage and Evidence played some songs. And then Fashion came on and they did some songs together. And then he hyped him for a little while. And then all of a sudden you notice Evidence is gone. <laughs> Fashion's playing his set. And you're like, damn, he's playing his whole set right now. And then Evidence comes back at the end, and they, you know, they, they put on a real cohesive show. I think that stuff's... First time I ever went to an Atmosphere show, he brought Blueprint. Yeah. And I think Abrude, maybe. It was someone that was like, it was like, this must have been 09 or 08 even. And at the end of the night, they did that. Like, it, must, it was his last stop before they went back to Minneapolis. They had the whole band. 
And oh, yeah. And they came yeah. up and, and print freestyled with them, and it was like, I mean, they probably played a 45-minute encore. Like, I remember that Wilma shows used to get done at 11. We left at, like, 1230. My mom, wow. like, I get home or to the car, and my mom's like, where the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> you should have been home, like, 45 minutes ago. What the hell? And it was just like, they just kept fucking playing. And it was that, they, like, all came up, and it was... It was like, whoa, like, especially at, that was like right when they started to, right before when Life Gives You Lemons or whatever came out. So it was like. Yeah, kind of the peak of their time right. with the band members, mm-hmm. the live band members. So that was, so that, and I, and I think that we're all so familiar with each other's songs that like at the end of the night when we do jam, like it's all, it's all, yeah. Well, and I mean, it's all like kind of second nature at that point. Do, right? so, That's cool. I wish, uh, I wish we could have had something for you guys out here it's just oh, fucking it's this time of year stuff missoula's fully booked up so i can't imagine cities you know what i mean this guy putting the mic down it's like i'm sleeping i i thought it was interesting last night was our first show we were in uh moscow uh, idaho and we played with charcoal squids yeah, really nice guys. Uh, setting up house shows is a no major key. Yeah, um, F- got to fill in those those empty dates, man. It was interesting to see it land, though. And I mean, Riley kind of made the call at the end. I mean, we just threw the ball to him, and we were like, "What's the order?" And he was like, "All right, tiny plastic stars, and then Paris Mingus, and then Codependence." And it made sense because it's like, in my mind. Codependence is definitely like the headliners of the tour, like with the album release and just like, like the amount of work and anticipation that's gone into creating this product and being so near it. It's sort of like this big kind of graduation in a lot of ways. I mean, I feel like I'm just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an old drifter that just had my thumb up at the right time. (laughs) Um, it was it was cool though to see the dynamic of so Riley has more of like a post rock sort of feel like like so so much of your songs they remind me of uh, I know like Stone Temple Pilots and you know think like like you would have been a great contemporary in that era of songwriters <laughs> and singers like Chris Cornell would have been looking you know at the next studio just being like maybe I should quit. <laughs> um but and then so so the i guess kind of the to the f- between the two of us he's i think more in that that leaning of of having that power and then there's like emotional vulnerability really good like melodies and hooks and i mean the, the falsetto is crazy it is super dreamy super spacey and then i i'm like Prince devotee. All right. Like I'm I'm from Minnesota and just I moved out to Montana like ten years ago and Prince Prince Prince, I mean I've wanted to make soul music, funk, R and B and rap since I was like, you know, in kindergarten and first grade and I was getting like the Buster Rap tape where it has, you know, uh Once Upon a Time in the Projects and oh, Buddy that beat. and just like so like a huge variety of rappers and then it was cypress hill and then it was murder was the case and and so just being like a really little kid and getting influenced by that i mean that i just like connected since i knew what anything was so i know it's this is really fun to be in a a group of people with this much sort of talent and drive and like a similar vision it really feels like it has good good momentum well it's also kind of interesting when you are on any given night um one or two acts are kind of going to be like the odd one out on the bill and sometimes that sucks because maybe you know before you even get started you know the audience is disinterested they're smoking outside or something like that but sometimes it kind of gives you a challenge you know where you're like all right we're going to we're going to do some like crossover shit. We're going to mend our set a little bit to work for this crowd. You know, we've been watching what the openers did when we saw what they were liking, you know, and so maybe we're going to try some of our our different songs for this crowd and see if you can win them over. Like like Carnage is the best at that. Like, yeah. you know, I've played little redneck bars in. and and you know, people aren't feeling 
even the best MCs, you know, they're just yeah. sitting backs face to us at the bar and he'll His go up there and start amazing. doing some like Led Zeppelin beatbox thing and people start <laughs> turning their heads like, oh yeah, I know this song. They're like, oh, oh, that's dope. Yo, what's this? And then they start dancing, whatever, and then starts dropping some rhymes and it's like, oh, all right, you hooked him. Yeah, his live set's Fucking incredible. Like, you can't even turn your back when he's on stage. Like, you just get closer and closer, I feel like. Yeah, like definitely. He taking draws steps. people in. Mm-hmm. He's like but, the Death Star. Yeah, out of like the odd odd ones out on bills and stuff, out of that frustration is kind of where we came up with the big idea of like, because Missoula and hip hop, it's been going well and it's been going well for a while, but there's still like this rift in the crowds that you can get having a full hip hop night versus just a combination of all the good local music that night and not doing it genre based. So you found that does better? Yeah. And it was kind of like an experiment at first and we were putting these bills on and they were just some of the funnest shows we'd ever played. And so out of that, we kind of had in the back of our mind, like, oh, when we go on tour, like, I don't want to just be like all rap every night and shit. Like, I enjoy watching these guys play. So I'd like them to come on tour. And I think we sound well enough together that it would work and people would get it. And so far, they have. That, one, that's one cool, man. In, Especially but, when you have something that, that you genuinely, like, everybody's friends, you want to watch the show every night, you know, because you have to, kind yeah. of. And uh, I remember when I did the uh, Bears Repeating Tour, it was my first time out as a solo artist, um, as opposed to with uh, The Illusionist. And I intentionally went, all right, I'm just going to bring my people from Eugene you know it was me and Ogar Burl and uh, a couple of the architects and like the four of us have done so many fucking shows together that like you know we have our shit down and we feel like Eugene's got something special you know like we've got good artists even if nobody comes to see us we got good fucking performances you know and so to take that out there and be like this is what we do in our little corner of the world and uh, people reacted to that man because it's it's different from what what they're seeing you know and if you're connecting with artists from across the country and going on tour together that's cool too uh but there is something special if you like to taking your homegrown shit out there and showing them what you're about because nobody's gonna get to see you know they see you post on social media oh we played a show at monks it was awesome or i played a show at lucky's it was great you guys missed you know whatever but to actually get to see that whole thing in their town is pretty cool I think last night, the first stop in Moscow was, like, the crowd was there right from the get-go, like, and they were, they were like, ready for us to show up, and, like, more people just filed in throughout the night, and I text my wife, like, I don't think they're going to like what we have to offer <laughs> yeah. after, like, yeah. after Riley and Hov just, like, you know, literally, yeah, exactly, and I was like, I don't know that they're, and they literally, I heard some them say, like, Moscow's just their music scene, like, we don't have a lot of variety. It's like, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. And I was just like, Oh great. Like they're <laughs> they're going to hear two songs of this and be like, you know, man. But I think like the fact that there is four of us and, um, we even have songs with five that they're kind of longer songs. You know what I mean? Like a band would be like, you have to stay into like, and so it, it helps with the bands like, yeah. Well, and I mean, just keeping you there for like longer songs, like they're, they're prepared for that. So like when we get up there and like can change around and stuff, then it's like, if it is a four minute song, rap song, it's not it, as monotonous as right, one guy exactly, standing there. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and uh, again with that, with the bands that alone, like a rap show, like you can't play, everyone can't play more than 15, 20 minutes. Otherwise it gets, you know, you, you start to lose momentum real quick. If, if someone comes up and changes the mood, like if you have the kid that can just have a nice little smooth flow and, and rap over, you know, like golden era beats compared to like our friend rude, who is yeah. good, but is a lot more, you know, totally edgy and, and yeah, going to scream at you and, and exactly like but it's it's just as good as the other stuff but it might it might be a little more abrasive and so your everyday listener is like oh well and like you were saying like you're saying some places they don't get that variety and so when you go in and not only do you have a crew on stage where it's like i don't know about this and then the second guy comes on you go Oh, okay, I'm warming up to it, you know, and it's like a little bit different. It switches, it switches, it switches back. And then the next is just a totally different group altogether, totally different sound, you know. Sometimes you want to go with somebody that is 
perfectly in line with your style and that's rad you know because you know your territory you know your audience you know what you're going to do um but every now and then when you want to break out it's like again like i was saying it's just that that challenge of let's let's see if we can do it you know if we can do it or like you were saying about rude you know maybe like with the illusionist we do it all the time like we go out there with christoph crane and and you know he'd be up there doing his you know peace and love shit and we'd be like you know what let's get let's get in their fucking face you know and see what happens you know let's jump off the stage yeah grab you by the collar and and see what kind of reaction we get like that you know yeah and touching back on house shows being key like if you have a good house show host like we did last night, he he rounds everyone up before the set, you know, like yeah. come back in, you know, everyone get done smoking, everyone comes in and then kind of sets it off. Yeah. That's kind of a lost element, too, of just like having a host an in all general. ages place, yeah. you know, like an all ages DIY kind of creative space, you know, like out here we used to rent granges, throw punk shows or, or you know, American Legion Hall, you know, those kinds of places and um you know you bring your own speakers and and uh, you know somebody's dad is running the front door you know because <laughs> yeah. you're all 14 you know and yeah. whatever and and uh but there was that sense of community about it you know and and like part of my um uh curmudgeonly style stems from growing up on that and being really spoiled with it and how much everyone cared and was invested and and you know, in, in our little scene now, it's like 90% bars yeah. and yep. most people are there, you know, just to forget about work that day. Exactly. They don't really have that much invested. So, care. you know, if they realize, <laughs> oh, I've been outside smoking for 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> did I miss the act that I came to see? Oh, well, you yeah. know, they don't even really care. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, so it's great when um, when you run into one of those places, it, it kind of renews your spirit in a way, you yeah. know, as a musician, because sometimes you feel like you're st stuck in a rut in those places. Yeah. You know? So it, it's always inspiring to me when we come across a little DIY spot like that. We played one actually not long ago in Idaho Falls. Oh, wow. Um that that was cool like we walked in and the downstairs um like i didn't realize it was upstairs but we walked in and uh there's like this tiny little rented dj booth and a fucking disco ball in the ceiling and i was like oh man this is taking me back it's like this is gonna be interesting and they're like oh no it shows upstairs upstairs okay and walk up, up there and they got fucking nice sound system and all this shit but it's the same vibe yeah. as the like downstairs <laughs> DIY shit was you know it's like all those those people still just hanging out wanting to be there kind of scared me for a minute but you know it was it was fun I enjoyed it I wanted to jump back before we got away from I guess the idea of doing shows where you know it's a rap show and you got a bunch of rappers sacked up I mean, that, like, before I started writing songs... That's really the most, like, puke-inducing thing you could say <laughs> when you're trying to get someone to come out to a show. Well, I mean... <laughs> oh, we got a bunch of rappers. It's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's... It's like it's like the the myth of genre and the idea of of trying to trying to build a scene where it's, like, people don't get together in a scene just because it's, like they're all interested in painting it's like yeah you like you like to paint like seashells and boats and i like to paint dragons and swords and i mean that could go together but yeah. let's be honest the color schemes aren't quite right and uh <laughs> I, mine are scary um so so when when you're looking at, at it's like well you're all painters so we should just have a show it's like no no how about how you you find people where it's like the medium might not be the same the the sounds and the tools and everything might not be the same but the vibe is a lot more the same and i i love that because that's what i i don't know what your guys background was but for me i grew up playing punk rock and there was a time like a freshman year where i started hearing artists where i'm like wow this is rap like these guys are talking about the same kind of shit as like the bands I'm listening to, you know? And once you find that, that kinship in the state of mind or the attitude in the music, you realize it is all the same, you know, like on some level, whether it's, you know, punk and hardcore or, or, or rap 
or folk music, it's all storytelling, you know? It's all just personal expression. And that, I feel like, is when you're able to break down those those barriers and and show something different, you know? Like, I, I feel like my music now is more punk influence than it used to be and i'm not up there screaming you know fuck you i quit my job every night anymore you know i'm just doing what i do i feel like it's it's more clear since i stopped trying to do that that's kind of like how my relationship with the codependence started uh in high school i played in like metal bands and stuff and justin was dating a good friend of mine who knew like we both played music and uh they just had me like come up and like record a hook randomly and it was like totally different than anything I yeah yeah totally different than anything I do now but it's our relationship has kind of evolved based off of like you know who we are like and we were totally different artists yeah totally different artists back then but it's been interesting like influences have been different but we've grown together and really fed off each other as friends and artists yeah i was gonna ask speaking of influences um just from the from the codependence guys um because we've known each other a few years now and uh when i was first introduced to you guys um i remember seeing like okay these guys got kind of like a sadistic thing going on like you know your production shadow's production is very atmospheric textural stuff um you know different than the kind of like boom bap stuff i was getting a lot out here then each time i see you guys maybe there's a year gap in between or something it's like these guys are figuring out their own shit like they're they're you know they're finding their own sound but i'm curious because i didn't um grow up on a ton of stuff that sounded like that is where does um what were your guys influences in in creating this this sound i honestly like i was in the same realm as you like up until probably my junior year i listened to like bad religion and no that was it like when i realized that let them eat war had sage francis featured on it i was like whoa that like blew me away yeah, I, and so that's I kinda, that yeah, too. that's how like, that's how it was you like. Put Whoa, Sage this, on you can bridge this gap right here. Like this is the same shit. Yeah. So that's like what got me, and so yeah, I got into Sage and and um, like Dan Lasack and Scroobius Pip was one of the first albums I had. Nice. And then we met Idea real young. Like me and Keenan met him young, and so he was like super cool to us. And it was like, wait, you've been our hero since yeah. I started listening to rap, and now you're like treating us like we're been knowing you for years. And it was so like that, and and then yeah, sadistic. We met sadistic with Mike, uh-huh. and so then it was kind of like he kind of was like a shoe in, like, well, now you have to like us. <laughs> so, and that's and like Chris Crane, all those guys. So that's, I mean, musically, that's, I mean, that was like in my eyes, like I just finally feel like I'm starting to be able to write because. That, that's what I feel like's the pinnacle, you know, like like uh, idea is, well, is like yeah. the best, I mean, you know what I mean? So you're always going to hold up those that artists exactly. that you In grew up on. In the most high regard. So that that was mine, and that's I think that all of ours were so, 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 so different. And that it's weird because a lot of times we don't even write together. Like, we'll just come together, and it worked. Like, it was all, like, cohesive without meaning you know like we was like we were like you know here's the idea you're coming song. at it different angles totally different, different places angles. and times yep, and different yeah. cadences schemes everything and 100%. i'm i'm with you there because uh, since i've been making rap music it's it's different than um you know like oh i've got some riffs i'll bring them to practice you know we'll work it out we'll flush out a song together it's it's much different because a lot of time you know the producer's already got the track laid out and arranged in a creative way and 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 it, you you maybe he emails it to you and you just go oh shit you start writing right then you know you just start writing the track and uh and then you you know lay a demo and you email it to the other guy like hey i just did this you know and so it's much different process um but it is cool how um if you have that um that shared background and that chemistry together that it's seamless from the outside you know mm. how do you deal with that in producing for the group knowing okay i've got 
all these different, different you know styles on yeah. one track yeah when you're arranging a piece does that enter your mind or do you just do um, your thing well i'd say like when we first got together and started i started producing stuff for us it was definitely a thought that crossed my mind more than it does now like you're saying we're kind of figuring out like our own sound now yeah so now it's more of like i know what sounds like codependence when i make it so it's like i don't know it just kind of the vibe goes along with that after i produce it it's like this is probably a codependence track you know and it differs from like other stuff that i produce and that's kind of how i go about it now my early influences were just like stuff i grew up on like Pac and Biggie and Dre, you know, yeah. things like that. That's what I grew up on. Yeah, <laughs> ICP. No, no. Oh, we gotta we gotta get Gradient in here if we're gonna talk about ICP. <laughs> woot woot. But yeah, and then I met these guys, and that's when I started listening to like Idea and stuff and Sadistic, and I mean I knew about it a little bit before, but never put a lot of effort into listening listening to it. And I met these guys, and they were all about it. Well, it's kind of so, crazy when you are used to hearing one thing and, you know, like you tell people, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people I know, when you tell someone you're a musician, you maybe you'll meet somebody today in a city you've never been in at the gas station or something. And, oh, what are you guys doing with the vans out there? Like, oh, we're musicians. We're on tour. What do you do? And you're like, I'm a vocalist, you know, what I'm instrument a, do you play? I'm uh, a lyricist the for mic? the group, uh, you know, whatever. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's interesting once you break that preconceived notion of what a genre is, you know, if all you hear is, you know, pop country radio, yeah, and you exactly. think that's what country music sounds like, yeah. you know, yeah. and you go, oh, no, I just, I don't think so. And then somebody plays you a Willie Nelson record and you're like, oh my God, this is great. Yeah, exactly. I get this, you know, this is mm -hmm. for me. And so yep. it's awesome having that, that turning point moment where someone has already scratched beneath the surface and shows you there's all this other stuff exactly and now all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole chasing you exactly know, that next sound i i love that experience and it you know still happens to me with you know once you find a, a new label you never heard of or something exactly, like that yeah you know? or like you have the chance to show somebody who's never heard it you know oh yeah and you you show them and they just they dive into it you know and they're like oh my god i've never heard this before like yeah, they're like, where I don't this? know, I don't really like rap. You're like, have you heard Idea? Yeah. <laughs> like, where, where's this been all my life? Yeah, so. Yeah, so after we met, and then we kind of, like, traded rappers, you know, and they listen to stuff I listen to, listen to stuff they listen to, and it just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it was good. We all kind of meshed our music styles, too, and it's a lot more evolved, so. Yeah, it, it definitely has an effortless quality when, you know, like we saw you guys uh, a few months back last time we were we were out there. You know, it was a small little show, but me and Doug at Ogarboro were like, dude, these guys are killing it right now, man. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely evident. I grew up on, like, strictly metal. Like, me and my buddies, we skated and listened to metal and some punk and stuff, but it was, like, fuck rap. Yeah, at least in middle school, it was seventh grade. So like, fuck seventh grade. You're watching we skate like, <laughs> videos, and they're put they're playing Wu Tang songs, and yeah. you're just putting out a mute or something. Yeah, for a little bit until I heard <laughs> G Code in this uh, European Element video, and I was like, oh shit, like I like this. And then I looked around, and, like my buddy Kyle G was like, dude, I like this. It's like cool. I have a friend that actually likes a rap song with me, and then like slowly it started to build on the bat, and then I found That's a funny. tribe called Quest, and then like about eighth grade, it totally flipped. And I just like quit doing the curmudgeon, like eyes wide shut shit. And, like I definitely wasn't doing eyes wide shut shit in eighth grade, actually. Yeah, that might be that might be something else. <laughs> wrong, uh, um, wrong saying there, but yeah, <laughs> shit. Um, well, we touched on it a little bit. Um, <laughs> ideas come up a couple of times. You guys have ties with Crushkill as well, right? Yeah. Um, How did that happen? It was kind of out of the blue. It it all started like last summer, kind of, because we've been working on this album for like three years, technically. I don't know. It's kind of iffy because we had one and then we didn't, and it vanished. So wait, wait. That's okay. a whole another story. But wait. On the crush kill tip. Maybe we <laughs> okay, go you'll have to address that. Yeah, we'll go back. Shadow can tell that one. Um, 
but yeah, last summer, uh, Brady called me out of the blue, and I had his number for some reason in my phone. I was like, oh shit, dude, like, Brady O'Rourke's calling me. Am I in trouble? Like, I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on. What did I do wrong? <laughs> but um, yeah, we just talked about like releasing our album through Crush Kill because he saw how active we'd been and kind of watched us grow as well. He kind of had his eye on us, just like low-key and... Um, yeah, we just kept in contact and I told him like the album wasn't done, blah, blah, blah. We were still working on it. So we've just kind of been communicating. Like, since get off that my point. back, Brady. Yeah. Like I'm not sick of these ready. deadlines. I'm not, I'm not working like this <laughs> fucking sweatshop over there. <laughs> <laughs> now he tears his own stickers. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that we, um, we're reaching the point we have like a release date, we got the album finished and now it's becoming real and we talked to him and he was still down after fall and winter had passed which was a relief yeah it wasn't like some passion thing where he's like oh I'll get these guys on crush kill and then time passed and he's like fuck these guys like like yeah other yeah, things came yeah, up yeah, i don't there's, know there's way cooler shit going on right now than these guys in montana but that wasn't the case somehow and now we're gonna be releasing shit on crush kill which is really really so, fucking cool okay so what is the title of the record resurrected and the day. <laughs> um, well, we're having a release party April 29th. Okay. Yet to be announced, I think. But maybe by the time this comes out, it'll be announced. Uh, this will be coming <laughs> out like probably that week, I think. Cool. Cause, oh, perfect. Because I have one dropping on the 12th, and you'll be two weeks after that. Sweet. So um, hopefully I don't say too much and the plans Good. change. But tentatively, 11-29, probably drop digitally and then do a pre-order sometime. And that'll come out sometime in May eventually. You just said 1129. 1129? I've been watching 1122 63 nonstop. James Franco. Get out of here, Franco. All right, so April 29th. 29th. Yes. Resurrected. (laughs) I drove eight hours already. Yeah, resurrected by the codependence. R E Z E R E C T E D. And and that, of course, not being an Easter. Uh, theme record but that's <laughs> no. actually a, a native shout out right yeah, there right because we all grew up on the reservation yes the flathead indian reservation um yeah no jesus on the album <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> all right so let's talk about yeah, this so um here's the story of you guys had a uh what did you have a hard drive crash did you have someone break in and steal your <laughs> record <laughs> no, i mean so, what what so happened? So what was version after, 1.0? Shortly after we moved out of our very first codependence household when we all lived together, I moved back in with uh, my grandma. She just had uh, cancer, like lung surgery, so I was kind of taking care of her, helping her out. And uh, we had moved, like, the studio there. We had probably, like, ten tracks done, and we were pretty close to calling it the album. Yeah, and we had Roots' full album recorded. And... Uh, we were meeting up with like our Midwest buddies, like Errol Hem, and those guys were coming over to meet us. And so I drove to Missoula because the studio was out in uh, Dixon, Montana, small little town. And by the time I got into Dixon, my mom had called me and was like, hey, your grandma's house is burning down. And I was like, what? Like, so I mean, like, you guys didn't get my computer out? And she's like, no, we didn't get anything out. And I was like, Pretty much in tears. Wow. Yeah, no, I was like, no way. No fucking way. Wow. And so, yeah, you never think your house is going to burn down until it does. Everything I had, I got, like, the upgraded version of it all. Brand new from insurance. So, so even though you had to start from scratch, at least yeah. you got to yeah. uh, rebuild it, right away? It came through, like, within two months after the house fire. We had all the money and had a brand new studio and a different house and... It was it was really like a blessing in disguise after it was all over with. That sounds horrible, but um, at the same time, you'd be presenting a much different record. Oh yeah, today. It's, so we yeah we did a lot of growing in those in like the last three years. So I'm glad that it all happened how it did, and now this album is something we're actually proud of, you know and. I, yeah, I I get it, man. When when we did Death of a Salesman before the Illusionist split, or I sh- shouldn't say split because we had a record called The Split before the Illusionist <laughs> broke up, um, we did spend three years on that album too, mm. and it had different incarnations. And um, I 
hated that it took so fucking long. Yeah, that's I work quickly. That was for us too, and we it was agonizing. We always tried to push it too, and we're always like, okay, we need to get this done. We need to get this done. But it was like, still, we were procrastinating. Yeah, I don't know if we'd call it procrastinating at this point, but it was. Yeah, we we all doing our own thing too at the same time, trying to make you know a collective album. So and you guys dropped a video for this like last year sometime right like the first single yeah we have two off of it now you have it in hand yet no not yet you have to check it out no still waiting still waiting you gotta get those fucking hooks done man you gotta get those hooks um so i want to talk about your guys role in the uh in the touring circuit because i see the codependence much like i see the architects out here i don't know if you guys know those guys or of them but um, they've been running a, a weekly that just turned to a monthly uh, for the last uh, three or four years. And um, they, um, I mean, I work with them a lot, but I give them a lot of the credit, have tried to make uh, an open and inviting place for touring artists when there's usually nowhere to play between Portland and San Francisco, you know, and you guys are definitely in a remote area too. And, um, even more so than us. And I see you guys actively hosting artists, putting on shows. Um, I mean, you've even done that for me. That's how we met. And, um, I just, uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's as necessary for, people like you guys to be facilitating these shows and and like I do here as it is to have us going out on the road and doing that because you can't have one without the other you just can't you know so um tell me about how that came to be was there just a a void was no one yeah picking up the 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 Um, responsibility there yeah well it came from like our interest in like christoph crane idea sadistic all those guys were on our radar but not yet on anyone else's radar in missoula and stuff so we'd see these posts that they were coming through blah 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 like and we were i mean i'm sure there was people that knew about it but us being our 18 year old selves and no one around us knew it at our age we're like oh shit like let's step in so our role until like pretty much recently has been like facilitators of that and making Missoula a welcoming like stop between Minneapolis and Spokane or Seattle or something like that, which is always what they shoot for. And that's kind of, that's how we've gotten every connection we've ever had has been through Missoula or working with someone to get them to Missoula. Like Nick Oliver first, that was the first codependent show that we booked with our friend Chase. He just started his entertainment company for this show it was the uh was it too many never ending gun show tour oh and, yeah uh, yeah so they all came through we put them up at the house and like we were like oh our idols are like hanging out this is cool <laughs> yeah and then like as we grew with it we became like more business savvy about it and like actually like connecting the dots for them and kind of sending them the right way not so much like hosting and promoting and all that stuff but like facilitating just being and, a resource yeah and near to the ground and like knowing what their best option would be resource center aware of that. <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah it's been we lucked out being in missoula for that simple fact because if we were in a bigger city it, who knows how we would have went about like getting shows and even like growing and getting our name out there in missoula it was wide open i feel the same way about myself because if you I've had a lot of people ask me, why don't you move to Portland, Seattle, mm-hmm. L.A., St. Paul, M- Minneapolis, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I hadn't had these experiences, even from growing up to playing with like Tsunami Bomb and Sick of It All and Against Me, you know, things like that, um, when you put yourself in front of artists that you really revere, yeah, you kind of have to step your game up you know Mm -hmm. and uh at the same time you are making friendships and and um discovering new music that you would have never come across making long lasting impressions on touring acts and vice versa and, and you know starting these these friendships so when people ask me why don't i leave i think because i've been making music here for almost two decades yeah and it's given me all these opportunities, and I like being the guy that they call 
they yeah. want to come through. And Maybe you're by no means sitting in Eugene all year. You're yeah. out there as well, like exactly. Which is I can get to moment. where I need to go. Yeah, you know exactly. But I can also be here, and and lately it's been really hard. I have had to turn away a lot, but mm-hmm. still, it's really nice to have kind of made that situation because our scene. I speak for uh, for myself and the architects, but we built that shit. Yeah. We brought those artists through. We paid them out of our pockets. We let them sleep on our couches and stuff like that, you know. And that is so necessary, you know. And and I don't know. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't trade that experience for living in a place where the shows pop off a little bigger, or or. or you know, whatever the factor is where they say there's more visibility or whatever. Because also, then you're at the end of some giant list of hundreds. You know, if I'm in Seattle, it's like nobody gives a fuck about or you the, sell tickets the for prominent the artists in Seattle, you know, because right. they can go see a good show every night of the week. We're bringing people through. We're doing something interesting. And I don't feel like that's often as easy in a bigger market because on some level, you're spoiled. And we spoiled them here in a different way because they're so used to seeing these great shows, you know, Rhymes Hairs artists and stuff for five bucks that when we do get a bigger venue and they're like, how much is it? You know, it's like, oh, it's 12, it's 10, whatever. Like, oh, I don't know. It's like, really? It's my first show in six months. It's with these guys who are really good. Nah, I don't know. I'll skip. It's like, okay. All right. And I think another thing like um, with that, the tour before we did this one it was uh, must have been january of 2014 yeah so and that was booked 100 percent off like you but like help me out in missoula and i'll help you out when you come through yes and so that yes. that was like 100 percent booked off that and we booked it in a month just because it was like we had just helped all these groups so it was like we did boise salt lake denver fort collins and then back to montana and did you know bozeman and missoula but seven days and seven shows and they were all like we made money ex- everywhere except denver and that's because so, and it was because you we, take care of the artists when they right, come through they want right. to take care of you we actually you know we did get money it was, we so we got money at every stop it just no yeah no we get there and there's no sound connected like i called the ba- the bar oh, manager man. the day before and he's like oh we don't have you scheduled but we have the night open we can we can make it work <laughs> can you bring people out we were like, you know, shit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, like, we'll try. <laughs> so, like, we'll put on a good show. Can you bring people Yeah, out? exactly. So, it, I mean, it ended up working out. Do but people yeah, go to your that venue? Was, that was off 100% off, off helping people out. So, and yeah, I mean, it's it's well, and like you said, we we got spoiled because it was like those times, like now we're, when we went and stayed in Seattle, Sadistic just let us come stay at his house for four days, three days. Yeah, that's great. And we weren't even there for any, but you know, we were there strictly for our own enjoyment and he just let us get, you know, party on his floor and show up late. And it was, I mean, he was great to us. I mean, it's rewarding. Yeah, it's great. It can be a a headache. It, you know, as it did for me and it's doing for you, it's, it's kind of allowed you the chance to gain some confidence when you, you know, when you do feel that anxiety, like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta step my game up and play a good set tonight. Cause Mm -hmm. we got blueprint in the house or whoever, you know? And then after the set, you know, they give you respect for what you did and you think, Oh shit. Really? Yeah. Like that. And that guy. Like, like that guy said something about a line that I wrote and whatever. You know, it's like wow, that feels me? so good. Like, I gotta make the next one even better. You yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. And we've always kind of done that. And we're like, oh, I hope like maybe they like the song. And it was always just like this fandom kind of thing. Yeah. And until recently, and knowing like this has been my gauge for knowing where the album stands and how much progress and work we've put into what we have now is that we've kind of gone from, like, hoping and being like, oh, maybe they'll like it, maybe they'll stay, to, like, knowing that, sure, they're actually probably going to be standing back there listening, and some part of them's going to appreciate it. And for the most part, they've been coming back and actually, like, giving us feedback. And it's not, like, a nicety thing anymore. It's more like we're starting to be recognized as colleagues at this point. Yeah, you now have some rapport with these. And that's, like, what I've been basing how our live set has evolved off of is seeing the actual reaction from the people we like hold in high standards and seeing it reciprocated in a way it's like really reassuring 
Yeah, that's probably the only awesome. real reassurance I ever get about my own music is what these other people that I look up to when they come and play and get to hear it. And well, yeah, because feedback. because your your friends are yeah. gonna be supportive, mm-hmm. and God bless them, the drunk people at the show. Yeah, you know, right. yeah, they're yeah. they're gonna tell you they're you're incredible, <laughs> man. And they're like, I love. Thank you for telling me that. I'm really glad. Yeah. Um, but you know those those moments. There's don't, a thousand of them. They know? don't have the impact. Yeah. They don't have the gravity of someone who's in your record collection, mm-hmm. who you have paid t- money to go see them live yeah. before, mm-hmm. and you bring them out and you play together, and to get that validation of then them not being a cock to you, like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, use the opening act, you know, peace out, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but to actually engage you. After yeah. that, makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. More than anything that anyone you know could say. Yeah, you know, and and uh, I I'm grateful for every one of those r- responses, and I'm sure you Likewise. guys are yeah, the same because it makes it's the thing I cherish the most out of all of this, probably besides actually making music and being able to do all that. But yeah, I was talking huge. to a DJ friend of mine the other day. He wrote on Facebook that was like, "You guys and your." Um, like you rappers and your your Instagram photos of like, you know, meeting your heroes. You look awkward as hell or whatever. Right. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. This isn't for you. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like I in have to be on social media to promote my music. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you only post like, here's my new song. Here's my new video. Buy my album. Yeah. Buy my book. No one pays any attention. Mm-hmm. So you have to post shit all the time. That's just happening yeah. in your day. Let's see. If today... I went to Burrito Boy and mowed the lawn and went to see Aesop Rock and met him. Mm-hmm. Out of those things, <laughs> I think I'm going to choose the photo with Aesop Rock. That's going to be the thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay, I talked to this guy for 30 seconds. He doesn't remember me. We're not friends. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, that guy was a huge influence on me, and that was rad. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. You know, totally. like, uh, he, he's like, did I just miss? He's like, are you uh, thinking I'm calling you out? Did you just post a bunch of pictures from South by Southwest or something? I was like, no, not really. I just, I, but I am that guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> really? I love those moments, you know, even just as a fan, I'll hang out till, you know, totally, the, yeah. the crowd's clearing out and, you know, try to get a set list or something. Like, yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like if you are a musician, you goddamn better be the biggest fan. Because why yeah. else would you, you know, why else would people come to support you if you weren't even that into yeah, it? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> if you're just doing it just because, or maybe you like the attention or whatever. Like yeah, it's like, ah, come on. I don't on. like anyone else, but you should like me. Yeah, it's like, man, I I want to support the people who are, are, are genuinely inspired and that's why they're inspiring you know like that's the shit that gets me excited the people that are going to the record stores the people that are you know posting they're going to see their favorite band or whatever like Mm -hmm. yeah those are the real artists to me the guys that live for music Mm -hmm. moving passionately and like seriously building their life around it yeah like like if i didn't play music oh my god you know how many more shows i'd be (laughs) able to go see no shit you know like oh dude like how many more albums could have saw Charlie Parr in Missoula last night, but every time he comes, I leave town. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, right. Like, dying to see him. But anyway, um, I uh, I think we're probably about um, another five hours gotta, to go crush in the car. So yeah, I'll let you guys um, hit the road. But we should uh, we should remind people. So April 29th, we hope. Yes. Tentatively, tentatively. Um, <laughs> you guys can get the new album. So it's going to be through Crushkill at michaellarson.com? Yep, it'll be through there. And where else? Codependence.bandcamp.com. All right. And how about these guys? Do you guys have music that's available online? I uh, do if you go to javierryan.bandcamp.com. But I do want to say, like, I think one of the things we've been having a bit more success, I think, locally because we have each other's backs. I mean, between us and a couple other friends, when we are posting like a new video or a new release or a show, you know, there's a couple shares, there's people like joking on it, commenting on it. So it's like, if you have friends that are making music or if you have just like a band that you like, 
I mean, people already do it naturally, but remember, it's like you're you're as important as any of that going on. You're you're the bridge to somebody else getting into it and having like another friend at a show. So especially for those those DIY artists, those artists that are on small labels, all that shit is huge. I completely agree. Every time somebody drops something that I really liked, the first thing I click is share. You know, because I I know how much that stuff matters, and I appreciate every person that. That does it for me. I'm not saying that's not some like empty, uh, oh, and thank you to every like for real. That makes a huge, huge difference from your video getting 50 plays to 500 to 5,000. Like, I don't have many videos that have 5,000. Okay. The ones that I do are because people shared the shit out of them. Okay. Like, it's not because I paid for a fucking ad so you'd see it everywhere. Like, you know, I do that sometimes, you know, sponsored posts because the fucking, like, it just falls off. You know, they, they'll show like 3% of your fans, your actual post or whatever. You know, yeah, you know, it's like I, I had on the Illusionist page, we had like 1,200 followers, and I, sh- I shared a video one day. And uh, at the end of the day, I checked it and it said, your reach was three. Yeah. I was like, three, three. And so every fucking share helps. Just reiterating that. I can't state it enough. As far as Tiny Plastic Stars goes, we haven't released any music yet, but uh, we are currently working on our first record. We were kind of brought together by a uh, producer in Missoula, so that's in the works. Um, you can go like our Facebook page, Tiny Plastic Stars Facebook. Um, and then, yeah, I have a bunch of solo material. Lige, short for Elijah. Lige Newton dot bandcamp soundcloud and cool so for those of you who uh i mean obviously you're listening to this podcast so you are are avid enough fans to follow uh, a little nobody interviewing a bunch of other fellow nobodies um and and we all just love what we do so i will remind you how much ammunition is in the last uh, two minutes that you just listened to to further build your record collection um, because uh, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there. Just going to say thank you for having us. Of um, course, yeah. Letting us come through late. I wish we could have had a show, um, you know, something worth a shit because yeah, you guys oh, have no, done so well by us. But hey, No, this was great. Um, thank you. I actually am an avid listener of the podcast, so I'm, oh, I'm, cool. I'm stoked to, to hear it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trying to make it more interesting. You guys are like the only rap guests that I have on deck right now. I just did like a rock band. I did a record store owner. I have a music journalist coming up. But like, I figure my first few episodes were so hip hop centric that I wanted to break it up. And uh, uh, so yeah, it's perfect to have you guys in there for some continuity. The people that are going, why is he doing all these other and like, dude's a rapper. <laughs> Oh, Oakland tomorrow with with Double Dragon. Double Dragon. Yeah, and Chesky. Oh, all those guys and are horrible. Right, be- right before we left, though, we we played uh, uh, Tommy V's like Montana Homecoming show. Tommy really V, fun. man, that guy made my absolute favorite beat on my my remix album. That guy is a fucking genius. Okay, so um, I will also be in Hood River with Ogar Burl on May 14th with Open Mike Eagle. Um, that hasn't been announced yet, but by the time this show comes out, I'm sure that it will. So, yeah, check that out. Um, Open Mike Eagle just got a new record out. Was it Hella Personal Film Festival? I, I'm not even really comfortable saying that title because I'm not from California. But um, I heard some of the songs when we were in Austin. He, he did a little set outside in a thunderstorm, and it was great. It was the highlight of the, of the trip. So, um, yeah, go see Open Mike Eagle, and thank you guys for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening once again to the Take 92 podcast. I thought that was kind of a cool episode. Get some different points of view. You see there's parallels all across the nation in this little scene of ours like I see with the codependents and my friends here the architects and uh, that last point that Javier made I think is uh, a really big one and that is we all need to support each other 
make sure that we're spreading the word, we're coming out to support, we're putting on other acts that are coming through town, things like that, that will keep this thing alive, not only for us, but for the next generation. If you find yourself in a position you're doing well, pull up the next guy. All of that is so necessary in, in keeping this thing alive. It's like that horrible Kevin Spacey movie, Pay It Forward. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta do that. Someone was looking out for you at some point, and uh, and I don't know, man. I think it's only right that we look out for the next guy. So um, I, I like that we ended on that note. I know that these guys embody that spirit 100%. Check out the Codependence, Harris Mingus, Tiny Plastic Stars real musicians out there making it happen support it support the art in your community support Aracoda support the architects support Sammy Warmhands support Graves 33 the list goes on I'm going to leave you with a brand new premiere from the new Codependence record Resurrected get that shit on Crush Kill MichaelLarson.com spelled with an E-A like E-N-A idea and abilities michaelarson.com codependence resurrected time takes money life's clockwise counted down my dollars till my seconds were denied i love her that was the twist a dyi cover of a popular hit third uh, ocular dominance the delicate accomplishment i relish in the constant bliss but jealous ones want me off the trip between the jewel and faucet trips be a fool of falling it on some shit my rule of thumb pop it in call it quits i sit in my squalor wish i had a parlor and a butler who pours some tall them thick jack porn stop me all of this family is a constant hiss i got work to do i'll hurt the fool that interrupts my shit the blood in a crypt, golden not the chival stick. Chivalry is flourishing, but I'm a chauvinist with motorist, my motor clicks and sputters. My chap lips mutter the fucking art, rip my soul a bit. I've hit rock bottom more than once and never bounced back. But found myself some freedom in the bottom of the sound sack. Life is funny, but laughing's the best medicine. So smile when you can, and when you can't, you can pretend to. You got it all together, everything's perfect. And she's so beautiful, commitment's so worth it. When deep down, you die to know what tomorrow brings. And sleep sound, it's not your time. At your bar wink and fly really with this pair of broken bar wings. They won't take you as far as you wanna go though. Passing out to wake up and feel the soft sting. I know you feel like giving up and that's a no no. Even when this battle called life feels like it's so so, it's oh so important to go forth on most roads. Stop signs never kept me from a point. B, if you have the right way, that direction you should point me. Wrong time draws so well into my life Adorable when you're riding for a breath It won't come to light Surface, belly up, don't be nervous It's perfect, vulnerability is only a dish Without any concern for us Distance keeps burning us Resistance keeps consistency Piss off, people learn to love Existence is what's keeping me Turning in the ass, the butterfly's absence Keeps me hungry Nothing now in my stomach The whiskey wishing some things Will be the same, but change is truly beautiful chaos Nothing remains unchanged Grown is just impatience Flown along with a cadence Nameless brain, I'm stupid Say the ram dreaming lucidly. I see things aren't the way they used to be. That's nothing new to me. With this pit, I broke away. Teaching myself once again how to fly. There isn't anything I can handle, but I risk dying to try life. Situations, lies, faulty altercations. Yo, we each get a fair share. Receding our hair wear. What's stressing the most tears us from our roots. Eradicated seeds are planting me back in the booth. Started getting hot headed, slinging lots of pots, dead end jobs. And cops treading on my waters, calling wild hogs. Riding on a spiral that a lot of crashed on. Busted one time back, trying to get my cash strong. Looking in my side, man, motherfucker, rear view. I'd rather see what's right here than what's not even near you. Thought I was starting to see clear, but the fuzz crept back in soon. But through all the bullshit in my life, I start to see through. The drama never ends, you gotta duck right quick. And yo, the karma comes in trends, I only love my chick. And yo, the harder it gets, depends on what you make of it. I watch my father's and past his friends because. He raised his kids, truth.
All right, that is our show. You hear Riley's voice there? It's crazy. The dude has style for days. Just a quick shout out. My first band I started 18 years ago, EPD, later became This Day's End, and people know a little more about that, but my earliest days making music was a punk band called EPD, 1998 until 2004 when we changed our name and our material. I have compiled a ton of songs, more than 20 songs from our our recordings in in high school, middle school, and uh, remastered and produced this uh, compilation, I guess. It's called EPD Breaking Ties. Check that out. It's a free download, and if you want to have the actual music in your hand, there's a CD as well. It's the first professionally done EPD release ever because we printed all of our old ones at home back in the day, cut out the covers and all that. Anyway, since my book has come out, people have asked me about these early records and the origins of, of my career. So I'm putting this out um, just kind of as a thank you to those who have actually cared to know about it. So EPD, Breaking Ties, Take92.com.